You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome back to America's Web Radio. We're glad to be uh, alive and well and kicking and uh, no trees fell on our heads, but a lot of trees fell around us here at the office and uh, knocked us off the air figuratively and literally yesterday with uh, uh, trees hitting power lines and uh, making driving almost impossible and in fact, uh, it's still difficult today. They've done the best they can. We at least got power back in the building. Uh, sometime last night, we were off the air with no phones, no power, no nothing until sometime in the middle of the night they got uh, the building back up and running. So we apologize for that, but uh, we didn't do it. Zeta, Zeta, whatever her name is, or his name is, whatever that hurricane's name was tropical storm as it hit atlanta uh and because of that when i came in this morning to get everything back up and running i grabbed things put them in the queue and the one that you were just listening to is a show that's on right now and that's billion dollar ballers and i'm glad to welcome back to the to the airways of America's Web Radio, Jack Christides. And uh, Jack's on the line with us. And good morning, Jack. Morning, David. Happy to be here. Well, we we, uh, we missed our boat a couple of weeks, but uh, we're back and in full force. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Thank you. Uh, hello, everybody. As we were saying, hope everybody's safe and healthy. Been a pretty crazy year so far. Uh, seems like the last thing needed was a hurricane, but hope everybody stayed safe. And uh, we're back at America's Web Radio, and we're back here with Billion Dollar Ballers. Uh, we've got a great show for you this week, talking about um, a lot of different ratings issues, uh, some surprise uh, solid ratings across a, a handful of sports, which I, I definitely didn't expect. Um, I know the World Series just finished up, so if, if you're one of those lousy Dodgers, congratulations. Uh, he's got another title out there. I'm um, going to talk a little bit about coronavirus. Uh, it seems unavoidable at this point. A little bit about how that could affect college football with some major players getting uh, getting the coronavirus. Um, and then some. I'll save the last segment for a surprise. Um, but it's some interesting pieces of sports business news that we haven't even covered yet on this channel. Um, so with that being said, I'll jump right into it. Uh, let's talk the World Series. Uh, the, the World Series this year definitely, um, in some ways, was a disappointment. Um, I'll take us back quickly to the 2016 World Series. If you'll remember, that's when the Chicago Cubs met the Cleveland Indians. Um, and in that game seven, more than 40 million people tuned in. Um, obviously a lot of factors went into that high viewership. I mean, it was the first time the Cubs had won and God feels like hundreds of years. And, uh, and the Indians, I don't believe had won for a while either. So that was a big matchup, uh, big storylines and baseball really seemed to kind of be making a comeback at that point. Um, however, take four years later, this year's World Series between the Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays find to make it the lowest-rated World Series in history. Uh, that's according to Sports Media Watch. Five of the six games were the least-watched games ever 
uh, topping out at 10.6 million for Game Five. Uh, so again, in comparison to the 2016 World Series, that's 40 million viewers then to 10.6 now, um, which is pretty crazy. I actually saw a statistic the other day that was saying that the NBA 2K League, um, that's like the video game league for the NBA, in their championship game, they almost had 10.6 million viewers. Um, so it's pretty unheard of to see the the World Series in baseball have such low ratings, but it's, it's where we're at with the sport today. Um, before the series began, a lot of analysts were predicting that um, maybe there would be a ratings bump because people were stuck at home because of coronavirus. Uh, even if you didn't care about either team, maybe it would be interesting to you that Los Angeles was in another title game. Um, but that did not end up being the case. It was the least watched World Series ever. Um, and it could spell a huge, huge problem for Major League Baseball. Uh, as I'm sure most of you know, Baseball ratings have been on a steady decline for years now. Um, there have been problems with the sport. Many people say that young people don't enjoy the sport. Um, but I was talking about this a little bit with David before we even went on air. Um, it, it seems like a lot of these rule changes that they've been putting in have kind of been fundamentally changing the game. And it feels like baseball has to come to a decision here. Are you willing to cater to young fans, try to get young fans who aren't interested, interested in the sport? Uh, by changing rules, speeding up the game, and whatnot, even if that is risking some of your older fans who've been fans, loyal fans of the sport for years now, um, getting turned off by some of these rule changes. So there's definitely a lot of hard decisions coming up for Major League Baseball. Um, and as we know, ratings are money. Um, so they've got to try to get those ratings back up. They've got to try to make some of their money back. Uh, and we'll see what they're capable of doing. Jack, Jack, I I hate to interrupt, but I I was just thinking about, as a youth myself, and that was about 400 years ago, but, you know, one, I played baseball almost 24 hours a day. If I wasn't playing on a team, I was at home playing with uh, my next-door neighbor that uh, liked to play burnout and generally did it to me, but uh, you know, we, we played baseball around the clock. And the other thing that, and, and maybe I'm just missing it totally, but one of the things that you loved about baseball back in the fifties and sixties was the fact that you had Mickey Mantle, you had Roger Maris, you had some really big names that draw, drew crowds and drew viewers. And quite frankly, here I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I couldn't name one person on the Braves. I have no clue. And many, many years ago, uh, I represented Bruce Benedict and um, some of the other Braves. Uh, and you still had big names, but am I missing something? Do we have the big names that we used to? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a good question, David. And I think... Uh I'd say there are some big names still, but really the big problem is you've got the best player in baseball, um, Mike Trout, and you just got him, and he really is an all-time great player. I mean, right up there with the other names that you were talking about. Um, but he's buried in a small market, so he's he's making a lot of money, which is good on him. He's got a $400 million-plus contract. Um, but he's playing on the Angels, uh, who are a terrible team. 
so you don't get to see them on TV a lot. Um, and then when it comes to like the amount of stars that you have in the league um, compared to how it used to be when you were growing up is, I mean, yeah, you have a handful of stars, and we just saw Mookie Betts. He's, he's probably one of the top five players in baseball. Um, again, considered one of the – probably not an all-time great, but definitely an all-time um, notable player. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. And he did just win a World Series. The problem is you probably only have four or five of these players in the league right now. Um, and of those players, the best one, Mike Trout, again, is buried on the Angels uh, on a team where – He's not on TV that often. He's not making playoff runs. People don't see him. Um, and the rest of them are all on the Yankees and the Red Sox. And the Yankees and the Red Sox didn't make the World Series this year. Um, so, so, yeah, that to answer your question, yeah, I do think that that plays a role. Um, and I do think that that's why the World Series didn't get washed as much this year. Even though you had Mookie Betts, I mean, he's a great player, uh, and he's uh, in the Los Angeles market, which is a big market. I mean... With the Yankees getting left out, the Red Sox getting left out, and Mike Trout basically being on an irrelevant franchise right now, um, the star power in the MLB is lacking for sure. Um, you also have other sports to consider. I mean, when uh, many years ago, baseball was, I mean, it was America's pastime. It's the greatest sport in the country at the time, and kids were growing up and their idols were all of these baseball players, some of the greats. And nowadays there's just so much more competition. I mean, if you go out and you ask, and I, I know I'm using Mike Trout a lot as an example, but he really is an incredible player and the best player in baseball, hands down. If you went out and asked a thousand kids who Mike Trout was, I'm not sure how many of them could tell you who he is. I mean, I'm sure there's a decent amount, but I don't know if they could all tell you who he is. Um, on the flip side, if you go ask a thousand kids who Tom Brady and LeBron James are, I guarantee you every single one of them, boy, girl, regardless of race, where they grew up, knows who Tom Brady and LeBron James is. So I think it's just a different time for sports right now. I think the other sports have caught up and surpassed baseball um, in its popularity. And at this point, I don't know how they're going to turn it around. Um I mean, you have more emerging teams. I mean, on this show, we've talked about lacrosse, hockey, even video games for esports. Um, there's all of this competition in the sports world right now, um, and it can kind of saturate the market a little bit, where where people can't focus all their time um, on baseball anymore. Well, you know, if I can interrupt again, uh, something happened. As after I had uh, gone through college and wanted to give back because I had fantastic coaches when I was playing baseball. One thing about baseball that's so good, and particularly in my case, I love football, but I'm small, you know, and I could be trampled in a heartbeat. But baseball, it doesn't matter what size you are. You can, if, if you practice enough, you will become very proficient at what you're doing in baseball. And you can be a seven foot giant or a four foot small person or whatever, you know, and, but you can play baseball. And 
I think one of the worst things in all kids' sports is when they took the competitive edge out of it. Well, everybody gets a trophy because they showed up. No, I busted my hump until I was 18 years old, player older than that, actually, because then I went into some adult leagues. But I busted my hump, and by golly, there was nobody going to play second base on my team but me, period. And, you know, if it meant working extra after practice or more practice during the day or weekends or whatever, I was going to play second base and nobody was going to take it away from me. And when they started this stuff, I started coaching when I was, uh, I think I was about 20 to try to give back to and teach other kids what my coaches had taught me and at that point, right after that, they started this thing, well, everybody's got to play, and everybody gets a trophy because they're breathing. Baloney. And I think that's what's <laughs> happened today, you know, that they've taken, you know, if a kid's got it, he'll make it. And if a kid doesn't have it, he can work hard enough to get it. But to just say, well, because you're breathing, you get a trophy, no. I think that's terrible. I think it has ruined many, many things. And... I'm totally opposed to it. If you want to be, and you know, I don't know what they've done in bands now, but back when I was in junior high school, it was the same thing. If you were the best, you would, I, I happened to play a trumpet. And, um, if you were the best, you sat first chair. If you were second best, you sat second or third or fourth. Or then you got into the people that couldn't play worth a damn at all. But even in music, they had it. And this has been proven over and over again. If you've got the talent, you can become numero uno. And why should it be any difference in sports? And particularly yeah. in the little leagues and uh, as kids are growing up, make them competitive. That just makes them a better person and a better man. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think I agree wholeheartedly with every single thing that you just said. In my experience growing up in youth sports, I was lucky enough to be – in a, a couple teams and a couple environments where uh, the old-fashioned way, if you want to call it, that was was the way that I played a lot of the times growing up. Um, and, but I was also involved in a lot of, like, travel leagues, and um, I played semi-pro soccer, and I just played for a bunch of a bunch of places where it, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like they'd give you a trophy for everything. It was more hardcore. Um, but then I'd go back to my high school, and in my high school – it would be no competition, and I felt bad because the kids really had no chance because um, in many cases they were brought up through teams where it was that way. You weren't encouraged to be your best. You were encouraged uh, to participate, um, and again, like you said, they'd give you that little trophy that if I, my kids got that, I'd throw that thing right in the dumpster. I don't, I don't see the value of giving someone a trophy for something they didn't earn, uh, and I think you're right. I think that could be hurting the talent pool a little bit. Um, I, in relation to baseball, I don't know if there's a direct correlation between um, that mentality and, and maybe the lack of stars in the game. Um, but what I, what I can tell you for certain um, is that it creates a huge gap between the elite players and the players that maybe could have been something if they had that mentality. Um, so the, there's more people in many cases playing a lot of these sports now, but you can completely eliminate three-quarters to 90% of them from ever competing at the highest level. Because, um, again, you're right. They don't put that kind of drive into them to, 
to be successful, uh, there's no, for whatever reason, they don't want people to compete, which is what sports is all about. Um, so, I, again, uh, I think you're definitely right there. And you know what? This turned into a pretty good MLB baseball and uh, old-fashioned sports mentality segment. I like it. Uh, I think it's time for us to go to a short break. But uh, when we get back, I'll talk a little bit more about revenues and then uh, jump into NBA ratings a little bit. But one short break. All righty, we'll take it right now. Thanks, Jack. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Join me live every Tuesday at 1500 for the best in gun news, gun products, and gun politics. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. And I would like to add to the uh, GoArmy.com spot in that... uh Rick White, Colonel Rick White, has asked me to uh, put out the word that uh, he is the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame here, here in uh, Atlanta. And uh, normally they'll have their induction ceremony, and it was scheduled for November the 7th. But because of the pandemic and uh, our laws here in Georgia about uh, group meetings and so forth, it's had to be postponed. They have not yet announced another date for the indu- induction of our our heroes and our Hall of Famers, but as soon as they do, we'll put it on the air and let you know when it is. But if you were planning on going to Columbus, uh, Georgia, for the uh, Military Veterans Hall of Fame inductee ceremony on the 7th, Scratch that date out and say pending. So with that being said, we want to remind everybody, and Jack and I were just talking about kids and competition, and if you are a graduating senior in high school or you've gotten your degree from college and you're looking for your right place, please take a look at any branch of the military They offer so much today, and what a career it can be. And I know what I'm talking about because I've got a son that's a major in the Air Force, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna career it. And I I am so very proud of uh, my young son that uh, that he's decided on a military career, and it's it can be good for you. So, with that being said, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and I do appreciate it. Glad we're back on the air after going through uh, Zeta or Zeta or whatever it was called, but it was a hell of a windstorm, I can guarantee you that. We had trees down all over the place and still do in some cases, but we're thankful we got power back on in the middle of last night, and uh, we're on the air. So with that, you're listening to America's Web Radio and Billion Dollar Baller, and here's Jack. All right, welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Uh, had a great first segment there, uh, talking about baseball and youth sports and a whole bunch of good stuff. And you know what? I think it's a perfect segue into our next segment, which is going to talk a little bit about uh, revenues dipping. Um, and uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is those World Series champions, Dodgers. Um, so obviously, as we know, players these days are making 
a whole lot more money. We talk about Mike Trout with his $400 million-plus contract. Uh, Patrick Mahomes in the NFL, I mean, geez, look at him. He's halfway to a billion dollars now. So we're talking about huge amounts of money in sports these days. Uh, and uh, with everything that's going on in the coronavirus, when, when you're making so much money, you stand to lose so much money. Um, and that is definitely the case with Major League Baseball this year. World Series champion Dodgers lost nearly $125 million this season. They were the winners of the World Series. Um, so you can imagine how much the other teams lost. Um, I mean, uh, we talked about prior to the season that if the MLB season didn't happen, uh, the league as a whole, including all the players and teams, could lose around $4 billion. Um, well, they played the season, and it turns out they still lost $3 billion, uh, an average of $97 million per team. Again, the average was $97 million per team, and the Dodgers lost $125 million this season. Um, so they may have won on the field, but their pocketbooks took a big hit. Um, the reason for that being, the big market teams lost the most money. Yankees, Mets, Dodgers. Um, it, it was not a pretty year for any baseball team, uh, let alone teams in big markets. Um and this comes after a great year last year as, as the Dodgers turned the corner and made about $60 million in profits for the 2019 season. Um, so it's definitely pretty crazy times for baseball. Um, lots of lost money, and they're going to have to find a way to make it up in the, in the future. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to go about making that up. They're going to have to get creative. But um, needless to say... We're living in a crazy time right now, and I can only hope that coronavirus restrictions get lifted soon. It seems like in some places we're going backwards. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with the election. Um, I have a feeling that that could determine whether or not your life gets shut down. So please make the right decision there. Um, I, I certainly hope that the government doesn't come around trying to control my whole life. Um, but... All we can do is hope and vote, so we'll see what happens. Um, but getting back to some revenue topics, let's jump from the MLB quickly over to the NBA. Um, we talked about the NBA, and, you know, they ended up pulling it off. I've been very fond of the bubble. I think they did a pretty good job. Um, I think that, you know, they were able to crown a champion again. Los Angeles Lakers, another Los Angeles team winning a championship. Uh, and they were able to get through it with no coronavirus cases, which is obviously great. Um, and they were able to save themselves a lot more money than the MLB, but they still did lose some money. Um, NBA revenues fell 10% to $8.3 billion for the 2019-20 season. Um, league lost at least $800 million ticket income alone. Uh, so that's obviously not a good thing. $400 million in sponsorship and merchandise. And uh, believe it or not, this might sound crazy, um, but it's something we talked about on the show. I told you it was going to be a big deal. Um, the cost of a split with China uh, after those tweets by the Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey, the league lost $200 million because of China, um, which is pretty crazy when you think about it as a, an American sport, but... 
China plays a big role in seemingly everything in our lives today. Uh, that being said, the losses would have been much worse had the NBA not completed the season and staged the playoffs in the bubble. Um, the league says that saved them $1.5 billion in revenue, um, which is definitely more than expected. I mean, that's an incredible figure. I mean, $1.5 billion. I mean, the MLB lost $3 billion, uh, and the NBA saved $1.5 billion just by doing their bubble. Um, so pretty wild what they were able to do there. That being said, um, there still was a huge loss. I mean, the season half, the uh, 2021 season, if that were to take place without spectators, um, NBA clubs would lose potentially 40% of their revenue, about $4 billion. Uh, and, and that's exactly why they're pushing for this December 22 start date. You might be saying to yourself, wow, that's, that's a quick turnaround. I mean, weren't the Lakers just playing last month? And the answer is yes, they were. Um, but the NBA wants to start as soon as possible. They're bleeding. They're losing money. Um, I think that, I mean, obviously the players are pushing back on this. I'm not quite sure who's going to win that battle. But if I had to guess, this one will be one that goes to the league. Um, the league certainly needs to make money sooner rather than later. Um, there are debts that need to be paid. The salary cap, again, is at stake here. Um, we talked about how when, when you lose money, you can't pay players all, all the money they promised. So they're trying to get back and play as soon as possible. And, I mean, there's a mix of things that could happen from that. I mean, they could come back, play early, and uh, key players could sit out. LeBron James could sit out a, a whole month. In which case, your ratings are down, and I question how helpful it actually is to come back. Or you could come back, and a player like LeBron James could be coming back too early, and he could play, which would be great. Uh, you'd make up some money, you'd have the ratings. But what if he gets hurt? Now you're missing some of your, your best players, potentially due to injury, because uh, they weren't able to rest in the postseason, um, and you're going to miss them for a full season, and, and I'm sure that that's going to hurt your bottom line. Um I mean, when it's all said and done, I am happy I'm not one of the people making these decisions because I don't know if there's a right decision. I mean, you have to do what feels right, what your gut tells you, what your pocketbook tells you is right uh, in, in the crazy times of coronavirus. And, um, you know, good luck to the NBA. I hope it works out, and I hope that we get to see a great 2021 season. Um but uh, you, you never know what's going to happen, uh, especially when considering, again, as we talked about last segment a little bit, how the TV ratings are down. Um, and, you know, quick aside, I guess, um, the TV ratings are down everywhere already. Um, but it's not just the, the fans are turned off by the quote-unquote wokeness, all the political protests. I certainly think that plays a role. I mean, but there are tons of reasons fans aren't watching these games. Um, again, you have the political involvement, which I'm sure most people don't want to see in their sports. Um, you have this certain level of cannibalization on the calendar, and when I say that, what I mean is, um, I mean, we had World Series games coinciding with presidential debates 
also at the same time as NFL football games. I mean, that does not normally happen. There are not normally so many competing things on TV. And it's it only stands to reason that your ratings are going to be down. Now, I mean, if you start up the NBA in December, it might seem like a good idea, but you're going to have an NBA game on the same night as a college football playoff game uh, on the same night as an NFL playoff game or or just an NFL regular season game. But you're going to have so many competing sports on TV. And I, I love sports as much as the next guy. It's great to have options. But I'd love to be able to watch it all. And when you put it all at the same time, either have to make a decision or set up my computer in front of my TV or, or set up one of those janky little two TV, three TV setups where you put all the TVs in the same room and and you're looking at one half the time and the other one the other half of the time. I mean, it's just a mess. So, um, again, all these sports on at the same time seems like a great thing, but I'd much prefer they just all be on TV at different times if it were up to me. Uh, secondly, I mean, that's an, another aspect of that that's going to cause people to have to make decisions is, uh, most of these sports leagues are smart enough to try to avoid having to watch everything at the same time. What this is going to mean is that they're going to put some games at weird times during the week, maybe, maybe during working hours for some folks. Um, I mean, you're, you're out there working, you gotta work to make a living, um, but you would hope you could, you could have your one great, uh, relaxing moment, which is Sunday football, Saturday football, uh, maybe occasional weekly night game. Um, but when the schedule starts getting thrown out of whack, next thing you know, um, you're trying to sneak in a game of NFL football or NBA basketball while you're at the office. And that's no good. So, again, the scheduling is getting thrown out of whack here. Um, and it's all in the name of them trying to make a quick buck. And I, I understand you have to make the money if you're these sports leagues, but it's definitely unfortunate um, to see how it's affecting our sports calendar. And I really don't think that it's going to get back to normal here. Break. For at least another year. Um, so we'll see about that. Um, with that being said, we're going to quickly talk about COVID-19 and college football in our next segment. But for now, we're going to go to a quick short break. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Be sure to join us live every Tuesday at 1500 hours for the latest in gun news, gun products, gun politics, and other gun-related stuff. That's Tuesday, 1500 hours, America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers, and welcome back to a great segment 
about college football. College football has been pretty crazy this year. I mean, uh, Big Ten's finally back. Good to see that. Definitely, um, definitely one of the positives. But almost immediately, the Wisconsin football team, uh, who should be a competitor for the, the national championship this year, has to forfeit one of their games. Um, that's right, forfeit, not happening, never happening, not rescheduled, um, because of a coronavirus outbreak. Um, it's unfortunate to see this, but we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. This has been happening all across college football. We've been having coronavirus outbreaks. Um, and it's just, it's terrible to see, obviously. Obviously, it's not what we want to be happening in our college football programs. But the long-term effects could be so much more damaging uh, than I think a lot of people realize. Um, I mean, College Football's foundation in 2020 is buckling here. Uh, the Badgers, the, the Wisconsin Badgers, were ranked number nine, um, and they had a big enough outbreak again that they had to just forfeit a game. I mean, it throws the college football playoff picture into chaos. You have Clemson. Clemson, who I think should be the favorite to win the title. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, going to be the number one draft pick. One of the best college quarterbacks I've seen in in many, many years. He just got diagnosed with COVID. He won't be playing this weekend for Clemson. He might not be playing next weekend for Clemson when they play ranked Notre Dame. I mean, you're seeing small market teams, Cincinnati uh, sitting at 4-0, BYU sitting at 6-0. These are teams that, I mean, yeah, uh, kudos to them. They're having great seasons. They might end up being in your college football playoffs, folks. I mean, if COVID takes out all the teams at the top, you're going to be left with the best of the non-infected. That'll be your college football playoffs. And if you thought ratings were bad for NBA or MLB, just wait until you have a college football playoff game it's Brigham Young University versus the University of Cincinnati. To me, that sounds a whole hell of a lot worse than Ohio State, Alabama. Georgia, Oklahoma. I mean, Clemson, Notre Dame. We're talking major market teams that are potentially going to get taken out by the coronavirus, leading to small market teams playing in the big games. Um, Don't get me wrong. I would love if a small market team actually played their way into bowl contention, uh, into championship bowl contention. I mean, it'd be be great for the sport to see some new players on the big stage. I'm taking nothing away from the smaller team. There's a reason that they're called the smaller market. There are less fans interested in watching those teams. And if they end up making the playoff push because of coronavirus – then we're going to end up having less people watching those games, less money for college football, more fallout, uh, more sports cuts, uh, more athletic departments in debt. It's problematic. Um, And it's only going to get worse, in my opinion. There's really nothing college football can do. College football is operating in many cases in the same way that the NFL is. The college football is not one unified league like the NFL is. When the NFL has had all these outbreaks, the NFL has been able to say, okay, 
we'll postpone the game. We'll change our entire schedule to make sure we can fit in the game when the teams are healthy enough to play. College football can't do that. College football has to try to play through and have one team set aside or just their players set aside. I mean, it's a doozy. I, it's, and I feel like I've been saying this an uncharacteristic amount today, but I don't know how they're going to fix it. College football may be doomed this season. And I'm hoping, I mean, maybe you'll get a couple of the blue buds, bloods. Maybe, maybe Clemson comes out of this stretch unscathed without Trevor Lawrence. Maybe Alabama never has a huge breakout. Maybe Michigan stays healthy. Notre Dame stays healthy. And you've got some big teams at the top when it's all said and done. Um, but coronavirus is not ignoring college football. And it's causing major, major problems. With that being said, I think we do need to look to the future a little bit. Um, we need to, I mean, college football is going to have to change in 2021. Um, I'm hoping that, I mean, fingers crossed, let's all hope that the coronavirus is gone by that time. But let's, let's take a look at what's going to happen in 2021 to college football if the 2020 season continues as it has been. Everyone knows that college football teams are losing money. Um, and it's already been announced that several schools um, that they project they're going to lose between 80 and $150 million. That's a lot of money. And they're not just going to eat it. These are financial institutions. They need to figure out a way to make it back. LSU recently had uh, some interesting things to say about how they're going to handle it. Um, LSU has said that all athletic department staff with the exception of contracted coaches, will receive a 5% pay reduction in 2021. Head coach Ed Orgeron, who has recently last year won a national title, came out and volunteered to take a $300,000 pay cut. I mean, this is 5% to the average employee and 300000 to the coach. is not small amounts of money. LSU Athletic Director Scott Woodward said um, that their compensation reduction plan should help to mitigate the impact of an expected $80 million loss in revenue as a result of coronavirus, but will not, in fact, be able to make back all of that money. The department has initiated several other cost-saving measures since March and today announced that the additional step of a department-wide reduction in compensation may need to be revisited. This is this is so, so tough to see. Um, I mean, I love that they're adapting. It's very good to see that they're finding ways to make the money back. But I wish there was a way other than cutting everyone across the board's pay. Um, and the longer you keep things shut down, the longer you let coronavirus control your life is like this, the more this becomes the problem. Well, the American the, uh, worker making less The money. mouse thing first. Okay. Um, so it's definitely not good for college football, but it's not good for college sports as a whole as well. Um, college basketball for this year now seems to be in doubt. I can't tell you what's going to happen if our, if our government's going to shut everything down again, um, but I can tell you that college basketball is going to have problems. If college football has problems, you can bet that a sport that's almost as large 
that's played entirely inside is going to have some problems as well. Uh, there were talks about bringing college basketball to a bubble environment, similar to what the NBA did. Um, the ESPN, they wanted to hold early season college basketball events in a bubble in Orlando. Um, unfortunately, that was that proposal was recently shut down. Uh, the key sticking point turned out to be a 90-day testing protocol, um, which unfortunately would delay the season too much, um, and a quarantining aspect, which unfortunately many schools felt was not fair. Uh, they wanted players who tested positive sent back to the school immediately. So now we've got a college basketball season uh, that is not due to start until November 25th, which is far later than the typical start date for college basketball. But I can personally guarantee we'll be affected by positive COVID tests as well. Um, they're not going to make it clean through. There's no reason to expect that they would. The only sport that's been able to do that is the NBA, and they had a massive, all-encompassing bubble that lasted over three months. So you're going to see more lost revenue on the college basketball side. And as we've talked about so many times on this show, so many times, what are the two sports that make money for colleges? Basketball and football. And what are the two sports that are bleeding right now the most? Basketball and football. College athletics is being destroyed by COVID right now. We'll see what happens with college basketball. Maybe it won't be as bad as college football. Maybe their top teams will still be able to make a playoff run. They'll still be the most relevant uh, in the best teams. But again, um, we could see some teams in the tournament that we haven't seen in a very long time. And again, maybe not a bad thing. I actually think that college basketball might get affected less than college football for the reason that if they do have a normal um, or air quotes normal um, NCAA tournament, there's more room for error there um, because... As long as the top teams make it in, theoretically, and don't get coronavirus during the tournament, they should be able to play for a championship. Whereas with college football, you only have four teams make the playoff, and it's hard to put in a team that lost a few games because they didn't have players with coronavirus. So we'll see. College basketball may be set up to weather the storm slightly better than college football. Um, regardless, they're going to be negatively impacted on some level. Um, with that being said, very quickly, last point in this segment. Uh, I went down to Ann Arbor, Michigan last weekend uh, to watch the uh, alma mater University of Michigan football team in their first game. They had a great performance against Minnesota. Loved to see a big win that weekend. Our quarterback looks pretty good. Um, but one big thing that I did notice while I was out there is local businesses are being affected massively by these coronavirus impacts. And I just urge you, if you live close to your alma mater, um, if your state doesn't have uh, the strictest of shutdown laws, if there are local businesses that are open in your college town, if you have the time to go and they're accessible to you um, and they're open, please, please make an effort to go. Um, because many of these businesses are in large part supported by college athletics and college football, bringing thousands of people in to go to their businesses. Um, and it was really sad to me to see some of the businesses that the local places that, that were running while I was in college 
um, while I was at school that, that were incredible institutions, family-run in many cases, that are closed and may never be coming back. Um, my favorite part in Ann Arbor is probably going to shut down for good. Um, so if you can make the effort to get out and support a local family-owned business, um, please be sure to do so. It's tough times for everybody, but those businesses are getting hit some of the hardest. Um, so with that being said, we'll go into our last short break before coming back to our final segment. Hey folks, this is Victor Armanderas with the On Point with Victor show. Just to remind you, don't miss every Tuesday, 2 to 3, live right here on America's Web Radio. And remember, I'm not angry, I'm just right. This is Jim Davis with Operation Santa. Each year, we purchase Christmas gifts for all of the children of all Georgia servicemen and women who are deployed overseas during the holidays. Our annual fundraising event, the Freedom Fighters Open Golf Tournament, is being held on Friday, November 6th, at the Bridge Mill Golf Club in Canton, Georgia. I would like to personally invite you to join us in raising money to support Georgia's troops and their families. For more information and to register a team, go to OperationSanta.org. It is a great organization, and we need to do anything we can to support our troops and their families. Our troops and veterans are so important to us, and be sure to get out and vote. And as most of you know, we have endorsed President Donald J. Trump. And yes, better than the Vice President Biden, I know Trump's name. Duh. Anyway, he has done more for the military and our veterans than any president has in many, many years. So if you're a veteran or on active duty, please vote and vote for Donald Trump. We'll be back with Billion Dollar Ballers right after this. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. And I want to throw in an ad that we've got a great show tomorrow on the Classic Car Shows starting at 8 o'clock in the morning. So be sure to tell your friends it's going to be a – it's about vintage cars and their organization. And it is going – Maxwell is the gentleman's name, and it's going to be great. So be sure and tune in. We'll be back with more of Jack and Billion Dollar Ballers right after a quick ID. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers, and welcome back to our final segment of the day. Uh, interesting segment here, at least I think it's an interesting one. I hope you find it interesting. Talking about something that I don't believe we've mentioned on this show um, to this point, and that is... Sports-focused SPACs, um, and they're more than a current trend. Um, so if you're not familiar um, with an SPAC, an SPAC is a company with no existing operation. Um, it's formed to raise capital at an initial public offering and, and subsequently acquire one or more operating businesses within a specified time frame. Um, so to, to simplify it just a little bit, and SPAC is essentially a group of investors that forms a company with the sole, uh, the sole goal of taking that company public um, 
and allowing people to buy stock in that company. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that these sports SPACs are becoming increasingly popular um, lately. Um, And it's very interesting as to why they're becoming popular. Um, I mean, they're they're popular across many other um, many other industries as well. Um, but it's something that's kind of new to sports, and it's definitely interesting to see. Um, and from what I can tell, the reason that this is becoming so popular um, is because of the sports gambling boom. So DraftKings has probably been the most successful sports. Uh, sports as pack of the bunch. Um, as we know, daily fantasy sports and sports betting became public with DraftKings in April twenty in on April twenty third, um, and that came out of a company called the Diamond Eagle S Pack at the time. Um, at that time, all live sports were shut down due to the pandemic, and shares are up in DraftKings one hundred and eighty five percent since then. So the sports industry has taken note. Um, and there have been several other sports uh, sports that have been coming along lately. Uh, the Rock, the Rock bought XFL last month, and they've been teaming up with an SPAC to hopefully take that public. Fenway Sports Group uh, owns a lot more than just the Red Sox. The portfolio includes the Liverpool Soccer Club, Roush Fenway Racing, and NASCAR team, uh, NESM, the Sports Network that airs Red Sox games, and Fenway Park. They value that portfolio at around $8 billion, uh, and they raised $575 million in an SPAC IPO in August and plan to raise another billion dollars for a minority stake in FSG. So what we're seeing here is something that may happen that, that has happened in Europe with Manchester United, and that our sports teams become public entities that you could buy stock in. Now, you wouldn't necessarily be buying stock in exclusively just the sports team itself. You may be buying stock in the company that owns the sports team and owns several other entities as well. But it's pretty interesting. It's uh, between sports gambling and these companies that own sports teams, it's going to allow you to invest in sports like never before. Sports can now become a daily part of your financial life. Beyond just calling up your book in, tell them to put uh, put some money on the Falcons spread because they can't possibly blow it this week, right? Sorry for if that joke <laughs> hit you in a hard place, but congrats to the Falcons on a big win last night. I mean, it's good to finally see them get a well-deserved victory. But back to the S-Packs. Uh, the S-Packs are becoming more commonplace in sport, and we're going to continue to see them. Um, there's been a significant increase this year. 157 S-Packs have raised a total of $58.4 billion. Uh, that's up from $13.6 billion in 2019. Obviously a huge amount of money. Um, and athletes, professional athletes, are getting involved as well. Um, Michael Gandler, uh, he's a sport business veteran on the consumer products and entertainment side. He's partnering with Baron Davis. If you'll remember, Baron Davis was a former NBA All-Star. Um, and they're going to serve 
on the burn the Bullhorn Holdings Corp board. Um, they filed a registration statement to raise $75 million. Um, and it's speculated that this will focus on acquiring interest in European soccer clubs. So not only are you seeing American sports teams essentially go public, you're seeing American athletes, American sport businessmen purchase European soccer clubs. Everybody knows that buying sports teams is a, is a great investment. Um, but in the past, you know, there was, there was one owner. You had Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, for example. You have one man who made a great investment early on. But the value of these teams is skyrocketing so much that you're seeing uh, SPACs, you're seeing companies try to get large amounts of investments and consider just buying the uh, team with the company and taking it public. It's really a shift in the foundation of how American sports operate. Now, one of the arguments that I've been hearing lately is that uh, this is not as personal as a single person owning a sports team. It can't be good for the sport. How can you get that personal touch? Well, I would actually beg to differ with that. I don't know that I believe ownership should have a very active role. Um, I mean, take my Detroit Lions, for example. The Fords, um, while they may not be the most active owners in sports, have a fairly active role in deciding... Uh, what's going to happen with the team. And we've all seen how that's worked out. Jerry Jones makes a lot of flashy signings, but do the Cowboys win a lot of Super Bowls? In recent years, the answer is no. This year, the answer is definitely no. So this trend may actually be a positive. Uh, as we see these companies and these groups of people owning these sports teams, one thing you might see is a willingness to overspend to succeed. Theoretically, if a team's on the market due to a company being on the market, success in that team would push stock prices up. If you want a team to perform well, you're going to have to spend some money. And if the benefits of playing well, the financial benefits of playing well, outweigh the investment required to play well, then they're going to invest in the team and make a push and try to do well. Um, so I know this segment may have gotten bogged down a little bit in the financial uh, lingo and, and things like that, but just know the changes are coming, and pretty soon you may be able to buy your favorite team on the stock market via a company or an SPAC that owns them. Pretty interesting stuff. That, and also you can, you can purchase uh, whatever platform you decide that you're going to gamble online on if you're using DraftKings, Barstool betting, Vandal, you know, you can, you can buy shares in the actual company that you're losing your money gambling to, which I think is a funny concept as well. Um, so that concludes our talk on SPAC, on investment um, in sports and taking sports public. Very interesting concept, you know, and, and I'll keep following it, and I hope maybe you do some research on it too, because it is an opportunity to make some money um, through some future investment. Again, I'm not an investment professional. I wouldn't tell you where to invest your money, but it's something worth checking out. Um, with that being said, we talked about some great stuff today, a uh, lot of major topics. Um, and the next time that I'll be talking to you, a week from today, um, we may have a new president or we may have the same great president we have now. Um, so I did want to save some time at the end of the show to urge you if you haven't. As we know, uh, this channel, this show, has endorsed President Donald J. Trump. Um, 
but it's not enough just for us to endorse him. We need everybody to go out and vote for him. So if you haven't voted yet, please go out and vote. Um, the pollsters are saying, and I don't know if we can believe polls, but it might be a close, close race. So please go out and vote for Donald J. Trump. Your vote matters, um, and you really need to get out there and do that. And as it relates to this show and as it relates to sports, uh, trust me, if you want to see sports, if you want to see, uh, if you want to not see a shutdown, if you want to get back to being a fan, being able to go to your sport, favorite sporting events, um, well, you should probably vote for the guy who brought back college football, uh, the guy who's been talking to major sports leagues, talking to the UFC. In fact, I saw Dana White, the head of the UFC, on stage at a Trump rally last week. Um, so it seems that one candidate loves American sports and the other hasn't really even mentioned American sports at all. Uh, literally, I don't think he, I've heard him talk about American sports one time um, throughout his whole campaign. So that being said, that's how we're going to close out our show. Uh, and I look forward to being back with you next week with Billion Dollar Ballers. As always, a pleasure being here on America's Web Radio. That's our show. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.